We are in the midst of a series on Advent, and Advent, even though it's a different word, um, it's, uh, it means coming. And so like the first Advent, the first coming of Jesus. And so we, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but then we know that Jesus said he would come again. And so it's also about expectation that we look to when he would come again as well. And this series we've been doing is talking about how Jesus is the humble king, uh, right? It's, it's, it's really something that doesn't make sense in the rest of the world, where you have humility and absolute power combined. And yet that's what we see with Jesus. And so today we continue our series with the humble king of love. So let's pray together. All-loving God, we thank you for every person here, that they are just the apple of your eye. You look upon them, and you have love for them. And so, God, we ask that you would come here, that we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach, that you would help us to know you more, that you'd help us to receive your love, move beyond our defenses, God, and then, and then also to help us to give that love to those that are here and those in our neighborhoods and all around us, God. But we ask that you come and that you would speak to us, that we would know that we heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, recently, my family and I were, were driving back from uh, Colorado Springs. And so just 70, right? You just take 70. And uh, all, the way, all the way west. And uh, we had a friend that told us, hey, listen, you're going to be driving through, through Salina. And so anybody ever been to Salina, Kansas? Like most of you guys? Okay. It's good stuff. I had never been. I just driven through and uh, famous to some people. And, but, but this friend told us, said, look, if you, if you go through Salina, you've got to stop at Bogies. And, and okay, well, okay, what's Bogies? Uh, well, Bogies, have, they have these milkshakes. And uh, the friend said, you know, well, you've got to get the, the black licorice one. And, and he said, look, I asked him how many people get, and he said, nobody gets the black licorice. I'm like, probably but you. And so, but there's the black licorice shake. But say, look, they have hundreds of flavors of shakes. And so I said, okay, we, we didn't stop on the way there, but we stopped on the way back. And I'll tell you what, it was as my friend described. It was, we, we stopped, and, and not only did we get a milkshake, but we got a burger, and it was just so good. We, we pulled out of there, uh, you know, driving, driving here a couple more hours to, to get to home, and it was just quiet in the car, because everybody just enjoyed these milkshakes. And, and so, it, you know, now I'm telling people uh, about bogeys. It's pretty amazing. Um, but but bogeys, the thing is, is that I wouldn't stop there unless my friend had told me. It's the, the building is just non-assuming, and it's just, it, you're kind of like, I don't know about this, but the food's absolutely amazing. The milkshakes are amazing. And so I know that if I go to Bogey's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know what I'm going to find there, okay? And that's why my friend told me to go there. And, and I know that if you stop at Bogey's in Salina to get a milkshake, or you, you're, I know what you're going to find. And life is like that. We, we like to know what we're going to get when we go to a certain place. Uh, you know, I'm, if you don't know me, I'm, I'm from California, and so, you know, in California, I grew up surfing, and, and you know, we would go to certain spots uh, when there was a certain swell direction uh, and also wind direction, uh, because we knew that that would be the combination. We knew what we were going to get there. We would look at the forecast and say, man, we've got to go to this place. Uh, we've got to go surf here. We've got to go to warm waters or, or the shores or wherever, wherever we go. That's the perfect place for that. We knew what we would get. Um, you know, if you're a shopper, uh, you know, you know certain places that you're going to go to get the deals and the style of clothes that you want or the, or the things that you want. Uh, you know you're going to get that at that place. And 
uh, you know, maybe if you use a tradesperson at your home and, you know, a certain electrician or a plumber or somebody to help you with something, you know what you're going to get with that person. That's why you use them. Uh, I, I'm new here, so I, I've been spending lots of time like, hey, who do I use for this? Or who do I go for this? Or I, I need this fixed on my car. And, and, and now I'm finding, I can find places and find out what I need at those places too. So, but what is it that we find with Jesus? What is it that we, that we find with the person of Jesus? Because that's really what matters. Is, I mean, it, it's, it's actually probably the, the biggest question that we can ask is, is what will we find if we keep going back to Jesus time and time again? That, you know, what would you say if, if someone was on, not on the road to Salina, Kansas, but on the road of life, and, and you told them, you've got to stop and meet Jesus. You, you've, got, you've got to just stop in and meet Jesus. And, and here's what you will find. What is it that you would find if you stopped again and again with Jesus? Well, it's this. If we stop with Jesus again and again, here's what we find. We find love. It's, it's, it's the, the most consistent thing in the universe is that if you stop in with Jesus, you will find love again, again, and again. And it's what I would call checkmate love. You may or may not have played chess recently, uh, but in chess, when you have someone in checkmate, uh, you have their king uh, in check. Or you, 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 you have, you, you know, they can't do anything. It's done. The game is done. And that's the kind of love that Jesus has for all people. A love that, it, like we read today, that, it, that, is, that, is, that is just, it arrests us. And it's interesting in chess, you know, there's certain etiquette and rules. And, and really, when you're in checkmate, you're supposed to lie down, you know? But um, that's difficult to do sometimes. And so it is with the love of Jesus. But if we go to him time and time again, we will find this love. And that's what Jesus puts us in. So let's read about it in Scripture. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And this is out of the Christmas story. And, and this is speaking of uh, angels or, or speaking to uh, shepherds out in the field. And, uh, and they're just going about their life. And all of a sudden there's this great concert of, of singing and lights and and now they tell them this message, and they say, This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, they don't say it directly, but that's what they're going to find. Those shepherds that, that made that journey and went there, and, and you heard one of the children read it today, that, that when they got there, they found it as it was said to be. That's absolutely how it is with Jesus. And I've tested it, trust me. Okay? I've tested it. You know, it was, it was I grew up in a non-religious home and, and didn't have interaction at church, and I don't, I don't even know that I knew people that were Christians growing up. I, I had belief in God, but he was just kind of far off and kind of just ethereal, didn't really hit the street level. Uh, but when I was about 15 years old, February 1989, uh, you know, I, I went on this trip and, and had this encounter with God. And 
what I didn't know is that I was on this 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 journey, uh, you know, of almost thirty years of of testing this love, and I found it strong and consistent, time and time again. And so that's what the shepherds found. They found love in that place. You know, John, one of the first followers of Jesus, wrote a letter about Jesus and about this love, and and he described. God as love. He said that, that God is love. One of the simplest, purest statements that we can think of. That when we think of God, there's all kinds of things we can think of. But when we think of God, that the foremost thing that we can remember is that he is love. That's what he, he spoke. He described his love in a way as, as, um, as, as like it's a whole love. Right? Because now we, we get into definitions. You know, so is this the kind of love that, um, you know, I've experienced in this life from other people? Uh, some parts of it, the fingerprints of God are there, but it's a perfect love. It's a, it's a whole love. It's not an event, uh, but it's a work or a laboring. It's, it's a labor that God has in his love for you. It's, it's like the birth of a child. It's, it's the, the child is coming, and the birth is coming, and it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's going on. Because I think we've had enough of event love, right? We, we get event love all the time where it's, you know, there's an event and there's a, a moment of love and it's more transactional. But with God, it's this consistent labor. And he describes it, you know, in the, in the, in the Greek, it's really translated perfect love. It's perfect and it's being worked out in our life and that's what he has for us. And, you know, the reason I said it, I tested it is, is that is that so? I you, right, you hear it. Like I, I heard from people leading up to this time where I have this encounter with Jesus, and I heard, uh, you know, Jesus loves you, and I'm like, well, great. I, I don't know, like I don't have a frame of reference for that. What what does that mean? You know, uh, you know, and you see pictures of Jesus, and actually, did you ever did you ever get a track? Like you may ever hand you a track that talks about God or different things. The first track that I got. Ever was I, I was at college. My dad was getting his master's degree at Cal Poly University in San Luis California, and they had this this uh, this festival, and they had these different um, tables set up, and there was one for uh, Christian surfers. Okay, and so I got the, I have this track. And I don't know if I still have it, maybe somewhere, but it's like it has Jesus like, just shredding on this wave, surfing on the front, and it says, I still remember though. It says, Yes, Jesus is King of the waves. And, and you know, and, and you and you go through, and um, and so I, I saw that, and then I, I accepted that love, and I said, I'm in. Uh, you know, Jesus surfs. He's you know, but, but what does the love mean? Well, it's a love that can even change me. It can even change you, and it's even beyond change. It's not like changing clothes, but it's it's actually something from the inside out, an actual transformation. Of who I am. It's that kind of love. It's strong enough that it can even change you and I. So checkmate love is that kind of love. It, it fixes the problems of my heart. Right? This time of year, we have extra grace for each other. We, we have extra love for each other um, until that moment, right? You know, until until you know something happens where but we but we've got this mindset that we're I'm gonna love, I'm gonna be good, I'm gonna love them, they're gonna love me. But, you know, those problems of my heart, that love of Jesus is able to fix those. In the midst of this sermon that Jesus was giving, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, uh, this is what he says to his people. 
uh, that are listening. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness, so righteousness is, is right standing with God and then right standing with people. So the vertical and the horizontal relationship. Uh, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the people that if you said, who knows God, you'd say the Pharisees. Okay? These are the guys that know God. These are the ones that do it right. And the teachers of the law, again, guys that said, like, look, what does the law say? What does God's word say? Ask the teachers of the law. So, again, these guys know. You will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we read that because we have perspective to say, yeah, but this was like dropping a bomb in the midst of everything. He's just saying, like, look, this isn't enough. And so here's what it means. What Jesus was saying was is that faithful observance of like a religion, faithful observance of religious activities is not enough. I mean, think about that. I mean, if, if you you know if you're if you're putting something together for something that you bought somebody for for Christmas or for a gift or whatever, you you follow the directions, right? Unless you're a man, and then you know you skip to the end and say it doesn't match up, you know? Okay, um, but I I. I'm not making fun of you, I'm making fun of me. Uh, I mean, this one time, we were drilling a hole, and my friend and I had this, this auger, this big auger drill hole, and, and we read step one. Great, good. Turn, which was, where's the switch? Okay? We, we drilled through pipes and all kinds of stuff, and it, it did say, check your area. Okay? It, it was a bad scene. But, you know, with Jesus... You know, it's you know what are the, what are the you know what are the steps? What is what is it like? How do we how do we be more righteous than just following an observance? Right? We like that because we think that if we do that stuff, then it changes us. In other words, it's outward and it works a safe way inward. But Jesus shares a spirituality that's totally different than that. He shares a spirituality that that comes in from the outside. No effort of my own, but receiving it, and then it changes me and then works itself out. That's what Jesus speaks of. But what is it? Well, there was Paul, who was a Pharisee, and he had absolute <coughs> observance of the law, outward observance. And one person wrote this about Paul. They said, the evidence that St. Paul has passed from spiritual death to spiritual life was not that he heard a voice, saw a light, and temporarily lost his sight. So like this religious experience that Paul had, that wasn't the evidence that Paul was a transformed person. But that love replaced hatred, that patience replaced his testiness, and meekness replaced his pride. So you, you may or may not know, but Paul wrote most of the New Testament. So he, he founded like this, you know, he really, Jesus started this movement of knowing God in a different way. He changed the center Okay, just like if bogeys was the center of the universe, like where you could get milkshakes, nowhere else. Okay, Jesus made it so that no, bogeys is not in Salina, or bogeys anymore. You get milkshakes, you get milkshakes from me. That's the absolute center. So Jesus changed the center. It's not a temple somewhere that you meet God. It's not a holy building where you meet God. It's not a certain city, but you meet God in me. Jesus changed the absolute center in the way that we relate to God and how we know him. But then what Paul did is Paul, through relationship with him, he founded steps and ways of doing that. But what typically we do, and people have done for 2,000 years, 
is then what we do is we get caught in the steps, in the muck of like just observing those things. But Paul was a transformed person by the love of God coming in from the outside, not by following steps. So he wrote something to a bunch of people like us. We're on the road of life, wanting to know what the substance of Jesus is that we find and know him. This is what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He said, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I mean, whoa, look at that. I mean, stop. Do you hear what that just said? That Christ, who is God, may dwell in your heart. I'm going through puberty. Don't, don't do that. So, but just may dwell in your heart. That Christ may dwell in you. Whoa. It means that God doesn't dwell here in this building, or God doesn't dwell in, in that religious building or that religious building, but God now dwells in me. This is holy ground. You know, when you get up tomorrow morning, you step, whoa, this is holy ground. Temple of God walking to get some food. Okay? But that's what he's saying. This is what he, this is what he continues in verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Now listen, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, look at, I mean, look at that. In verse 18, to make, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. See, I had no idea when I heard that, that Jesus loves you. I was just kind of like, okay, cool, I accept it. Great. But I didn't know that I was on this journey of just, like, have you ever been to, is there any, like, caverns around here? No caverns, caves, where you just go and go and go. And um, it's a, I get scared in, in the places. But I, I, a couple times I've gone, there's the Lou Ray Caverns in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia, where my dad used to live. And, and I went and visited there and, and, and walked through those. And, and I kind of went through the first one. I'm like, cool, great, we've done it. Okay? It's like, no, there's more. And so then you walk into this even bigger cavern with all of these you know, all of these formations, and, and it's, it's just amazing, right? And then it's like, okay, I'm done. No, wait, there's more. You know, keep keep walking down more, and then there's bigger cavern, and bigger cavern, and bigger cavern. That's how it is with the love of Christ for you. You can never exhaust it. You can never unearn it, because you didn't earn it. It's just yours. And there's just an abundance of it. There's an abundance of it for me. And but here's the key thing, though. You say, well, what do I do? Well, here's the thing. Receive it. Okay? Receive it. 
it's just, you know, it, it, you, you, you receive it. Now, here it is. I mean, all throughout life, we watch people receive things. We watch football. People receive something. They, they catch it. Uh, you know, somebody knocks on your door, rings your doorbell, they have a package for you. You receive it. You sign for it, whatever it is. Or, or somebody brings you a gift this time of year. You know, you receive it. Okay, I, I take it. So you receive it. But when you receive it, something happens, and it works in you, and then it works itself out. Yeah, I don't think you can actually keep it. Like, when you're really receiving the love of Jesus, I don't really think that you can keep it. I, I think that, I think that it, it, like, it works itself out of us when we're really receiving. Um, and this is, what, this is what Paul wrote in another place. In um, Philippians 2, chapter 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So here's where like, we step into another cavern. Is when I receive the love of Jesus, what happens to me, and it's a little bit like check with chess, because I'm in checkmate, but I don't want to lie down. Because typically when somebody gets you in checkmate, the reason they have to say checkmate is you didn't see it coming. And so it is with the love of Jesus. It is so powerful, it is so transforming that we wrestle with. But here's what happens when I receive the love of Jesus, is that, is that I am free to love. It, mean, it means that, that I don't have to be defensive anymore. I mean, the person that has received the love of God and really believes that God is, is not far away but near and has come near and has done something that that my actually identity and my reality is not any longer in a separation from God, but I am his and he is mine, and it's party, like it's 1999 or 2099 or whatever, but it's like I'm going to heaven, I'm in heaven, I'm experiencing eternal life, I'm giving eternal life, I'm in it. I'm in the pool of God's love, and I'm here, I'm on the locomotive SS Jesus, that's where I'm going, you can't stop me. It's like, what does that person do? I have a plethora of milkshakes from bogeys in eternity, whatever it is. It's just like, I'm just there. How does that person live? That has received this love that their sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. What does that mean? It means that they're not there. They're forgotten. That's what God says. It says that he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. It means that, it means that God just makes it so that, that anything we've ever done and ever will do is forgiven. That I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to perform for his love. My job you know, make it real simple for all of us that just need the steps, is that my job, my sole job, what God wants from me is just to receive his love and forgiveness. But now, how do I live? I live as one that's free to love. You see, you will always wrestle, and it'll be like chess, where it's like, look, you're, I've got you. 
you keep moving around and trying to look at different things, but I've got you. And we can do that with God. But it's, it's, we can, that's what it's like when somebody that's received life is defensive. Or that's what it's like when somebody that's received life gossips about another person and speaks poorly about another person or doesn't forgive another person. It will cause more tension and stress in your life than you know if you try to receive from this well of life of Jesus and then turn around and then try to act in your old nature towards people. That's your mode now. Is that you're free to love. You're absolutely free to love because think about the stresses on our relationships, right? We're getting around family, we're getting around friends, we're seeing people, maybe, and there may be some stress in here today. Amongst family and friends, and you know, and you know, like, oh, you're meddling. That's my job. <laughs> but like, what do I do? Well, here's the thing. If you say to yourself, well, and I say, well, you're free to love, say, I don't have any love to give. Great, receive some love. Receive some love from Jesus, you'll have more to give. But you see, we're we are so about our rights. We are so about well, you know, what should I do? And this person did this to me. And, and, and we're so about to, about, like the last person we go to if somebody offends us is the one that offended us. Or the last person that we go to that we have a question about is the person that did that. Which creates all sorts of problems in churches. It creates all sorts of problems in families. It creates all sorts of problems in, in a community. And yet, let me tell you, that's love. When someone offends you, you see, we want to pull back and we want to, we want to defend ourselves and we want to do things and we want to pull back and talk about them and do whatever. But in actuality, in Christ, I'm free to love that person. Because if I go the other way, then I'm deciding that I haven't been forgiven. I'm deciding that I need to protect myself. I'm deciding I need to, to cover up and, and have power myself. But I, if I give my life to Christ, it means that he's responsible now for me. He protects me. He covers me. He works things out with other people. As I trust him. He'll ask me to do things in the process. But I'm free to love. I mean, doesn't that sound good? I mean, if people were to ask, like, you know, what can you expect from Christians? What can you expect from people to follow Jesus? Man, they are so free to love. I mean, it's just, it's, it's astounding. How these people love. It's astounding how they forgive. It's astounding how they honor each other. It's astounding how they lift each other up, even when the person is not honorable. It's astounding how they serve everyone, even when the person maybe doesn't deserve to be served. It's astounding how they forgive everyone, even though the person maybe doesn't deserve to be forgiven. It's astounding to me. Here's the thing that's our superpower. It's not our clout in the political world. It's not our clout in the business world. It's, it's none of that. We can see love played out or acted out in those arenas that change society and do things. But our superpower is always love. So it was with Jesus as it is with you and I. So we're free to love. This is what is written in John. This is what Jesus said to his first disciples. In verse 34 of chapter 13, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. And then here's what Peter wrote. Peter was in this scene, if you remember, uh, they were all at this dinner, and typically the lowest person in power at the meal would be the one that would wash the feet, because dirty with sandals and, and dirty roads and stuff. The, the lowest person, the servant, would be the one that would wash the feet. But, but the owner of the home didn't set any of that out. He didn't set it up. He didn't have somebody to do it. And here's the thing. Jesus, the humble king of love, is the one that fills the spot. Why? Because he's free to love. And then it comes to Peter's chance. And Peter, uh, you know, Peter is it, so wonderful if you look at the followers of Jesus in the Bible. It'll really free you up. Just, just read them sometime. If you think you get it wrong, they, they are right there with him for three years, living life, and they still get it wrong. So just be set free, okay? But Peter says to Jesus, he's like, no, 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 no. You can't, like, he's, he's guarded, he's off. He's like, he, it's too offensive to be that close and intimate with Jesus. And that's how some of us, I think, are right now, too. We're in here, it's like, hey, that's all kind of good concept, but, but I mean, is it okay if Jesus touches you? You know, is it okay if Jesus, like, peels back the layers of you? Right? We, we get wounded in this life, and what we do is we build back up layers and calluses upon these wounds. And then we, we're like, we're good. But here's what happens, and this is what Jesus has been doing with me for 30 years, is, is it's like, he's, he doesn't say, oh, that's good, that's healed up. It's like, scalpel. <laughs> right? He is relentless at how he just is all about me being whole and about loving. I, mean, I, may have, I may have shared this with you, but um, like my parents divorced when, when I was um, about 11, and then I just stuffed it. Major win. You know, I stuffed it. And I stuffed it until I was about in my late 30s, 39 years old. And there was all these events that led up to it, but then all of a sudden this day, there was this day, and I recorded it on my phone, so like, my wife came home, and I'm like in tears. She's, she's like, what is wrong with you? And it was just this breakthrough that God just, the final cut took place. And he revealed to me, like, that, that I had, like, um, this problem, like, of abandonment. And I felt abandoned when my parents divorced. And I made myself the adult, and I had to take control of these things and stuff. And so, and I was like, well, God, what do I do with this? You're showing this to me? Because I had never talked to them, believe it or not. I never talked to them. I was like, okay, cool. So I call my parents, and I talk to my parents as a grown man, and I'm thinking, and guess what? The most amazing healing and stuff has happened since I brought it up with them. But I was embarrassed to, to come up and say, I was just have it all together. But see, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is so stupid. I should just go with my life. And I'm like, and the Lord's like, no, you did that for 30 years. It's time. So it is offensive, you guys. It is intimate. And that's why Peter's like, you're too close, Lord. No, you're too close. But then he writes this after he, he fails and then he receives this love. And it says, 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. This big, gruff fisherman is walking around like, love each other deeply from the heart. Just let it overflow, people. And it, yet, that's what happens. But we never arrive. It's a, it's a constant process because I have layers and layers of, of, of callous and, and things that the Lord wants to undo. 
And so, in chess, if you've ever played it, you know, you can get somebody in check, which means that, you know, they're captive at that moment, but they, they have other moves. And sometimes you can get somebody in check, and they can only move back from this space to this space to this space to this space, back and forth. And it's a, the other person has to do something to, to do that. Here's the thing. God doesn't have another group besides Jesus. And so, and, and actually, you're not in check. You're in checkmate. And so for some of us today, it's this staring down. You know, it's just this staring down of like, hey, you know, what are you going to do? It's like, no, what are you going to do? And the proper thing to do with love like this is to lay down. Because that's what you do in the game. You lay down. And you can see that I'm captivated by you. I'm held captive by you. Loved by you. You're transforming. You know, some writer um, in the past century wrote this about the Holy Spirit. He wrote that the Holy Spirit was the hound of heaven. You know, the, the, there's there's a couple of dogs in our neighborhood. And every once in a while, they get out, and and it's just you know we walk to the mailbox, or whatever. It's just that you know, <laughs> and they have such power over being so little. You know, and, and they they just have our attention the whole time. But see, checkmate love, you guys, is a love that shows up every day. It's a love that absolutely shows up every day, and, and God absolutely is the hound of heaven. But he does not have condemnation for you. He does not have judgment for you. He has love for you. He has absolute love for you. And he is hounding you to receive that love. Because it's the real love of life. It's not about religion. It's about real life. So that's what God has for us. That's what Jesus came for. And that's what we can all experience. So let's stand together.
this is how Christian spirituality works is, is that, see, God has known you since he formed you in your mother's womb. Like, it's not like he's like, oh, somebody new. <laughs> it's, he's always known you. And so if you pray that prayer in your heart, what you're doing is you're responding to him. And so he's heard you today. He says that he says that he gave everyone that would receive him the right to be children of God. And so if you pray that today, you're a child of God, receive his love. Now, be like the caverns. Go to the first one and then just receive more and more of his love. Sound good?